I think we're definitely taking levels up to the you know the number of episodes that we're bringing out and also from the place that we're bringing the episodes out. I've been on the road, I've been in Bangalore uh, as you all know and uh, this is yet another episode from the city of Bengaluru. This time I'm sitting down with uh, Terry Freeland. That's how we know him, but uh, I've also learned something that his name is actual name is Terence Freeland and uh, but I think we'll get familiar with uh, Terry is that right? And uh, um i think to all the lovely listeners welcome to the totally indian football show with me your host siju and uh, terry thank you so much for making this coach uh, i know i've been at it uh, since the time i first saw you in this trip and uh, thank you so much for finally giving time and uh, for being on the show thank you very much for that lovely introduction terence Feeling, I haven't heard that for a long time. Last time I heard that, I think I was at school, but yes, that's my real name on my passport, Terence Michael Feeling. Uh, my short name is Terry. So, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier for people. But yeah, getting back to how I landed in India and where I've been in my career, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been a wonderful journey. It's, it's had its ups and downs, you know, uh, and obviously we're going to talk about that. But obviously in Bangalore, the weather's a little bit like Europe at this present time. I don't know if it's Scotland, Wales, England or Ireland with that rain, but it's lovely, isn't it, to tell the truth. So, yeah, here in Bangalore at South United Football Club. Now, Terry, I didn't, you know, I know probably my manners were not right. Or I, I didn't start off well uh, with men not mentioning the fact that you're also a playing legend out there in, in English Premier League. And uh, I think that's something we all know. So hence, I didn't want to bring that up. But just to name for people out there, if you don't know, you can Google it. But uh, the top teams that he's played for are Chelsea, Manchester City and Everton and uh, in the Premier League and many others under the Championship League as well. But your first stint that you mentioned, you know, that uh, when when I asked you off the record, that was Kerala Blasters, your first in Indian football, and you corrected me saying that, no, you were here before uh, for a project in Goa. Uh, now, that's been a long, right, almost a decade, if I can Ooh, say. 13 years. 13 years, yes, 13 years and counting, I must say. And currently, you're at the role of technical director at South United Football Club, this amazing place that I keep coming every other day. And I think coach is fed up of seeing me. Uh, but I get the perks of doing the episode with him. But uh, coach, your first stint when you came down for the project in Goa, how did that come about? And even if you don't want to share much about that, but I want to know... What was going in your mind and what? how much did you know about football in India that you probably said yes to that project? Well, uh, it's a long time ago. I don't think I can remember that long back. But no, it was, it come about, I, you know, I'd always said to myself when I'd finished playing football, obviously in the EPL and the championship, I played in America and all, I played at Charleston Battery in America for a few years. And then I moved down to New Zealand for six years as a football development manager, a head coach, a youth development manager and all, working in the schools, working in, you know, in the local clubs, uh, nurturing uh, the talent down there and obviously the coach education. I was there in New Zealand for six years. And then I'm thinking, OK, then I think I may have just, you know, uh, done enough here, worked a lot with the youth in uh, New Zealand, got them into national size, worked with the national body and all, and World Cups, got them to World Cups. So I think I was on for another adventure. And I, I just love travelling, to tell you the truth. And I thought, India, and I got uh, a message through of a group uh, from Delhi. And I said, listen, uh, there's a football academy, a residential in Goa, Sesa Goa, uh, 
who were looking for, you know, a, a, a chief mentor. And I thought, you know, well, I think I might have a little look at it. So I did, I did my research, obviously. I didn't know a lot about Indian football. I knew it was about, I knew it was 60 years old, 70 years old. I know you've got probably one or two clubs, 100 years old up there in, uh, in Calcutta, them big clubs up there. Uh, and I knew that fans was was mad for football and all in them certain pockets, especially in Goa with the Portuguese influence in Kerala, you know, that Argentinian, Brazilian influence and all down there. And then in Calcutta. So I knew there was a little bit going on. And I come over, I think it was two, 2009, just to have a little look. I liked what I seen. Uh, it opened my eyes to tell you the truth because sometimes I think in, in, in the rest of the world we don't see what's going on in other countries, which we really should do. So, uh, long story short, I, I enjoyed it and I signed a contract at Sezagoa, yeah, for three years. So that was, that was my first stint in India. Don't forget, I grew up, my mother made a lot of curries, so that was, that was a, an objective I got over kind of quick. Uh, but no, I, I found it uh, a wonderful place, Goa. And just like you mentioned, you knew these pockets were there that was mad about football and you got to work in two of the uh, craziest places of football, right? You had your first in Goa and then with ISL, with Kerala Blasters. Uh, now coming back to probably where we are currently or where you are at the point, um, working again closely with the grassroots system also of the academy, but at the same time, the technical director. Now... Take me probably through to what does a technical director on a daily basis do at this club called SUFC? Well, we'll just change that a little bit. I'm the sporting director, so we'll just change that for the, for the viewers out there. But I think if I go to take you a couple of steps back, uh, a chief mentor is obviously mentoring uh, the youth within the you know, students within the football club and obviously putting programmes together for the coaches, coach education. There's not a lot of difference, to tell you the truth, uh, from, from that and mentoring uh, designing training sessions, you know, fitness sessions, designing the curriculum. Uh, and obviously I did the same at the Kerala Blasters. Uh, I had actually a, a month of the Kerala Blasters as the head coach, which I fully enjoyed, you know, uh, set uh, academies up down there. So I knew, I knew what Indian football was about. I knew the, the mindset. Uh, very hungry uh, to learn uh, the players. And then obviously... Uh, growing up in, in Kerala, I would say growing up because it was a learning curve in Kerala and in, at Seysa in, in Goa. And I learned an awful lot. I learned about people. I learned about uh, the psychological corner of people, how they ticked, how they, how they ticked in schools, how the coaches ticked, was the older coaches, middle-aged coaches with the younger coaches and how to, you know, sort of like refine them in, in a way. But then obviously uh, I've been in Bangalore now, coming on four years, just over four years. And I've been at South United now for four years. I've seen it develop from, you know, just a green uh, AstroTurf pitch out there. I've seen the old infrastructure uh, develop wonderfully well. And obviously the brainchild of uh, Mr. Sharon, the owner, and, and Mr. Pranav, the CEO, they've really put their minds behind it and, and they've created a family atmosphere here. So, which is fantastic. It's, I call it a, a family and a hub of football. Anybody can come. The community are allowed to come in and play uh, and enjoy themselves. But... Uh, Getting back to the point there, I think whether it's a, uh, a mentor, chief mentor, a technical director, a sporting director, the first thing I try to, to do is get to know people. 
get to know themselves, get to know how they're thinking, get to know about the families, uh, and build a build a relation up a relationship up with you know whether it's the students, whether it's the parents, whether it's the coaches, and whether it's the 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 operation staff. And I think that's part of my skills. I love in, I love. Uh, enjoying I, I love doing especially out on the football field and all and then you've got to do your office work but i think most of it is like you know in europe a sporting director is different a technical director is different sporting director really look at the players at the top level you know technical directors can be in clubs uh looking at all the overall implementation of the philosophy the playing philosophy values the culture in the football and and building that and inlining it and getting all the coaches to think on you know off the same page and sing off the same page and you know you've got to get the buy-in for the coaches you know you've got to ask them and all and and this is what i've learned in india and all they're, they're open to learning and then they've got to implement that and all in their own ways they tweak it their own ways it's designed for them but they can tweak it how they want to do. As long as we've got a flowing effect right the way from the the little tots and toddlers all the way up to the first team. And that's what we have here at South United Football Club at this present time. That's a great way of putting out the coach. And, and yeah, and I stand corrected by the role. It is definitely the sporting director. But before I move on, I must also warn our audience that probably, like I said, that I'm on the road and I'm not in the studio. We are doing this in a space uh, at SUFC. And you may hear some kind of noises. It's because we're sitting below a gym premise. Uh, but I'm sure editors have definitely taken care of that. Uh, but coming back to our conversation and uh, something that I was very noticing about of the end of everything that you spoke of one thing that struck, stood out for me was the relationship that you spoke about how relational are you and how you are uh, looking closely at the coaches because you're closely working with them and you've worked with coaches earlier as well wherever you've been so if you can tell me from the learnings that you've had and you've interacted with so many other coaches uh, including at SUFC how do you think and where do you think uh, coaches in India, as much as you interacted with them, uh, where do we stand and what do you think we probably have to also improve uh, going ahead? Well, it's a, it's a good question and I think we're, we're only people, but we're all different types of people. We, we think differently. We look at the game uh, differently and it's, it's trying to find out what these coaches think about the game. Are they learning about the game from grassroots right up, depending on which space they're in, you know, and I think a big insight what I've had, the, the coaches are willing to learn. You know, and, and you've got two parts to the coaches. You have the older coaches who maybe have been playing an awful long time. They've come out of football maybe through injury or they've had their time and they're retiring. And then they want to find something to do. Uh, and it's, I think I'll go into coaching. Maybe they've got their own little little club, but they haven't been doing a lot of coaching there. And I, I think it's trying, like I said, it's getting their buy-in. What they're thinking and all, because it can't be all about me, because we all have different views. So the older coaches will have a different mindset, you know, and it's not changing the mindset, it's improving the mindset to different uh, methodologies, ideologies, uh, philosophies. Not saying 
we're going to change the culture in it, wherever they are, but the footballing culture, that's what we're trying to look at and improve. And that's the older coaches. Then you've got the middle of the road coaches, coaches who are playing and doing a little bit of coaching. You know, they're seeing two sides of the coin, which is difficult because then when you have to go on, onto the field, somebody else is dictating to you and telling you what to do. But I think that's it, it's a great balance if they can balance it because they're getting a little bit of both, you know, they, depending on what their philosophy is what is the philosophy how did he want to play how did he want to nurture what type of program have they got and and then you've got the young coach who is just coming into it uh who finds it exciting who's maybe not as good on the playing side but you know believes himself as as a coach now when i say a coach it could be anything it could be refereeing it could be alignment it could be strength and conditioning we're all coaches in some in some way and i think there's like three parts to that but i think you've got to find your own space you know what you feel you're uh, good at you know whether it's in the the program where it's probably uh, two years to seven years maybe eight years to 12 years and maybe 12 years to 16, 16 uh, to open age. Or if you want to be a head coach, they all have different mindsets. They all have different problems. They all create different problems. You know, at the, the bottom end, you're nurturing. You're guiding. It's called guiding discovery. You're, you're nurturing the coaches to nurture the students. You know, it's not all about winning there. Yeah, the students will want to win. The coaches will want to win. But it's, a fa it's finding a way to win in, the, in the, the long term you know not in the short term and if we can do that and the coaches can think about that then we have got a, a wonderful array of coaches in India coaching licenses are being taken out coaches are getting more involved in it and I think this boils down to maybe the ISL the I-League the national sides are doing well uh, and the culture now is is improving a lot and I don't mean I mean, footballing culture. I don't mean any other type of culture. I mean, I'm, I'm from Ireland and England. I'm not going to come in and change anybody's culture. We can improve the footballing culture. And that's what we try to do with the, the coaches and, you know, learn them a little bit more what's in the rest of the world. It could be like strength and conditioning, sports science, medicine, you know, injury prevention, how to design a programme. And that's the type of... Uh, real uh, spaces we try and get the coaches into and, 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 and free thinking and all because it's not all about the sporting director the technical director the head of youth development we've got to get the coaches free thinking and not being sort of like dormant being free thinking having that lovely flow no matter who you're working with and I think that's it, it's on the rise now it's on the rise and I just try and, and use my influences as a family you know, with love, respect, being on, being honourable to them, and have, and being noble to the coaches. Because I said that only people are going to make mistakes. I'd rather coaches make mistakes than not tell me at all. You know, and I see the mistakes, and then we can sit down from one on one, and we can find out what they're thinking, why they're thinking it. Because, like I said, it's not all about us at the top. It's about them at the bottom, because they're the ones who really do the hard work. Now let's talk about you being almost four, four years and about four years and counting in Bangalore, right? And uh, Bengaluru has been, and I've been talking to a few people in from the city who've actively been part of the footballing system. So, 
how do you think is bang bangalore now becoming you know another pocket and hub for football in india and with seeing we we recently saw the national team play and we saw the buzz we all were part of it but with the inception of bengaluru fc success and then adding on a different things and the state association also being very serious in things uh, when you see all of that how encouraged do you feel uh, you know to take sufc also to upscale and uh, help in the growth of bangalore football perfectly spoken you know i think uh, bangalore football at this present time is is on the rise you know you look at the grassroots participation with the students it's 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 outreaching cricket at this present time you know and not just in bangalore but all over india you know there's a real buzz about it uh, the modern families are really looking at it for the health and well-being of the children uh, for the fun the love of of the sport and all and you know i see great strides being made from the local football association they are trying to implement uh, one or two projects now you've got private providers and all bringing tournaments in uh, into the state which is fantastic and plus you've got one of the strongest super divisions in india which obviously south united football club are playing in we won the a division uh, last season now we're in the super division obviously pre covid we was you know we was in the super division there but obviously because of covid you know i think people had to reset the schedules and reset the minds and reset the lives again uh, but you know we we've got a, a a wonderful space here with right in the middle of the city where like i said earlier anybody can come and play and get to know about south united football club what does it mean to them you know what does it mean to the the pockets of fans out there how can we get our philosophy across to them what are we actually doing it why are we doing it what we're we doing it for where we're we going with it well, we're on a long term project here obviously if we can cement ourselves in the uh, super division for maybe 3 years and then build on that and then get into the uh, i league divisions and then obviously maybe in, into the the isl that's long term and i think everybody here is on board with it uh, from the uh, the owners uh, from the ceo from the the coaches from the obviously the operation staff and obviously myself pushing everything forward and you know it, it, i mean you can go anywhere in bangalore now and there's private uh, five side pitches popping up all over so that must tell you something that must tell you that there's academies new academies setting up there's new clubs setting up as long as it's not just for the short term it's got to be the long term because then we let the students down we let the parents down then they fall out of love with football so that's what we've got to keep on doing we've got to keep in implementing new strategies uh, and, and new thinking around the the especially the grassroots side of the game because if we haven't got grassroots if we haven't got parents we don't have the top spectrum also now we see often indian football even the clubs at the highest level that that, that plays in isl and the other leagues uh, something that we don't often see is how a club kind of has their own infrastructure uh, with regards to the ground with regards to their own training sessions uh, set up a gym and all the other facilities that come with it and i think it's also somewhere they also don't have to be dependent on someone else or an outsider uh, outside infra where you know they have to kind of wait till you get a turn and then you have certain limitations so i think that kind of also sets free for sufc because with the brilliant infra that they have as a sporting director and as a coach uh, as someone working in the football system with a club and academy how important do you see that holding because 
where you come from every club and every academy have their own space it's a small little step that india is taking in many other places as well it has been an issue right uh, we've seen with bigger clubs as well but how beneficial does this add to sufc having their own place and then you know for you to also improve and grow and i think that's also a selling point right for attracting the newer uh, age crowd uh, be it the kids or the parents so how beneficial do you think is this aspect well i mean a, a great point again i think it's so beneficial isn't it for the growth of the game uh for the growth of the students for the growth of the sport uh and it, you know it was a, a wonderful vision uh by Mr. Sharon and his family, you know, to get a space like this in the centre of Bangalore, you know, where where we can outreach to everybody and everybody can uh, play. That's the unique thing about South United Football Club, that we have our own space. And our own space then creates our own philosophy and our own club culture and our own methodologies and ideologies around them, uh, them four corners. And, and this is what we've looked at and I'll go back a, a, a little bit again. Now there is the entrepreneur now. They're not going abroad. They're going, well, I want to spend my money in India, so I want to, I want to have a space and I want to open a 5v5, 7v7 or a 9v9 turf, which can only help the ecosystem of, of, of sports in general. You know, and, and I think it's, a, it, you know, we have different verticals here. You've seen we've got a gym, we've got pay and play, we've, we, we, we've got a cafe, we've got small sided, 11 sided, three sided. So we've got different verticals going on at the moment. Self sustainable and all, which is fantastic. We have a first team which helps them grow. And I think when any student or any parent or any anybody from the community comes in, sits in the cafe bar at night time, it's a little bit of drizzle, you've got the lights on. It's a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. And, and this is why I'm here. Now, can we create, long-term, can we create players, maybe, obviously for our U13s, our U15s, our U17s, the first team. And then, out of that, can we go on one more? Can we get players into the national size? That's our goal, but that's going to take time. But we've got our own space to be able to do that. Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody tells us you have to get off the field at this time or you have to do this at that time and you, you, you know, you're begging for space. We don't have to do that here. And that's the brainchild, the brain uh, span and the mind of the people like Mr. Sharon, uh, Mr. Pranav and all the staff around who's created this space here. Like I said, it's for everybody to use, but we're unique now. We're different. Maybe not a lot of people like us, but we don't care. You know, we're different. We've got a ground. We've got space. We can create our own and we just have to build on it now. You've often mentioned in most of your points talking about football culture, you know, helping building in that and the growth of it. How do you define football culture? Because from where you come from and now where you are, it's a stark difference, right? So how do you help a country like India in kind of forming that football culture? Because we also loosely talk about culture and we throw the word here and there. Uh, probably most of us don't understand the nitty-gritties of it, where it starts from the grassroots, like literally from maybe from home kind of a thing, right? So how do you as somebody working in the system, and uh, you are now very well working in the Indian football system, so how do you define football culture and how do you help in the growth of that? Okay then, so... When we're talking about a footballing culture, if, if we take Europe, we'll take England, 
You know, once we're, once we're born, we're born near a football stadium, whether it be Manchester United, should I really say Manchester United? I should be saying Manchester City, really. Manchester City, Everton, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspurs, Leeds United, these big, massive clubs and the smaller clubs and all, they're all around you. You know, it's a day-to-day thing. It's been there for 150 years. It's been, it's been born in the culture, you know, and, and it's been bred in the culture. And on the streets, every, when I was playing on the streets, we played football. You know, we watched the TV. You know, if there was any football on, we'd go to games. And that's where it's a day-to-day thing. It's a love, you know. And, and if you look at South America and Brazil, the Pavelas there, they're playing on the streets. Now, listen, there is a footballing culture in India. Let's not get away from that. Let's not just say there isn't. There is because... I was in Goa, I seen a lot of uh, younger folk and students and kids playing on paddy fields, running around, no shoes on, playing football. But then there has to be some kind of structure and all to it. You know, what do we do with the better players who want to grow? We have to have infrastructure for them now to compete with the rest of the world. I want to say culture. I don't mean, like I said earlier, I don't mean changing the culture in, in somebody's town or village. I want about a footballing culture where you go to every single day, where you belong every single day, where you're going to get nourished every single day, where there's coach education. Football's changed now. You know, you, you look around, go around India now. There's so many five-a-side, seven-a-side turfs. And I think for me, is it's no use coming to me and going, what's the difference between India and England? I say 200 years. It's simple as that. But is India getting there yet? Yeah, the national team are doing fantastic. They've just won two tournaments. Now, let's have a look at the national side. Now, yeah, they've had the problems. You know, I think the problems are getting sorted out now. The All-Indian Football Federation, people are realising that. If we want to compete with the rest of the world and be better than the rest of the world, we have to do things in the right way and in line everything. I spoke to Mr Stimak. I said, how have you got your team so well organised? He said, power and fitness. And I think that's, there's a culture change in sports, fitness, sports science, nutrition. That's what's happening now. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, <clears throat> sports scientists are going to Europe. They're learning, they're bringing their ideas back into, into India and they're implementing them and all. So I think that's the culture in all different verticals. It's happening. It's happening slowly. We don't want it to happen too quickly. Let's take our time. You know, we, we have got a target, and I say we, because I'm part of it. I'm part of the ecosystem. Uh, I say we, we have got a target to go into World Cups, but we have to compete with the best teams to be able to do that. No team or country's got any right, unless they're old in the World Cup, to be in there, no matter what level it is. You have to be as good or better than them. How do you do that? You set a culture within your club, within your organisation, within the minds of the players, within the minds of the staff. And that's what you've got, that's what you've got to do.
Now we talk about World Cups and I think every Indian is dreaming of that one day that India will play in the World Cup and this is about you. You featured uh, in the 1994 World Cup for Ireland. Uh, that's the year I was born. But uh, <laughs> but I must also say you look as fit as ever. So, I mean, you're with your personal experience, right? You've been playing for different clubs and then for it's always a dream to play for the big one. That's the World Cup. Uh, and Ireland is not some, it's not a country that we often see playing out there right so if you can take us through the footballing scene in Ireland and how was it like to represent Ireland in the World Cup yeah sure I mean um, obviously my journey started on the streets of uh, Manchester and Salford and, and in Ireland Tubba Curry Sligo uh, you know just playing on the streets like every boy or girl has that uh, lovely vision of one day maybe playing for a EPL club or playing for a country and that was always my dream I, I love football and I say I love football it's a genuine it's a general love of football you know and, and, and you've got to love football you've got to love any sport you do you've got to love it with a passion so yeah I mean just you know where am I going what am I doing for myself what type of mindset have I got well my mindset was very tough I knew where I wanted to go and and nothing was going to stop me and and, and get in my way I didn't have no formal part of coaching till I went to Leeds United as a 13 14 year old because then we didn't have the academy structure we played local football we played for the school we played for the local club and we played for our district and then you get picked from there by scouts and you go up on holidays <clears throat> so that was my first memory of Leeds United and, and, and then going to a club you think to yourself now I'm at the club where am I going and I've got to get into the youth team how have I got to get into the youth team I have to work hard nobody ever told me to work hard I knew I had to work hard so getting into the, the Leeds United youth team and then obviously the next step is getting into the reserve team I got into the reserve team quite early 15 15 and a half years of age you know, so that tells you something. And it wasn't easy, but you're, you're around international players who are learning you. You're seeing them every day, you know. And, and this is what we've got at South United. We've got the students seeing the first team players around. You know, once they start playing, it'll be fantastic for them. And then, obviously, the first team is the next step. How do we get in the first team? Well, I've got to keep my feet on the ground. My mindset has got to be super strong. I've got to think outside the box. How am I going to get better? How is Terry feeling going to get better? Okay, then do your own stuff and all in your own spare time. And that's what I did. I got in the first team. But besides that, I started getting into the Irish youth teams and all. I started getting spotted, youth teams, U21s, B teams. And then again, the, the same uh, small steps. I need to get into the Ireland national side. How do I do it? And if you've got enough time, I'm going to tell you a little story. The story went like this. It went, a phone call come through and I was at Wimbledon. And Wimbledon players always used to play pranks on you. They used to phone you up and it'd be a Wimbledon player saying they're a newspaper uh, journalist or reporter or it was the Queen of England or somebody like that. God bless her, her soul. And, you know, I get a call one Monday morning or Sunday night, I think it was, and it was, Mr. Phelan, you've got to be on the plane to Ireland, Dublin, tomorrow morning, because uh, you're in the national side. I said, Dennis... Dennis Wise, John Fastenew, Vinnie Jones, Alan Cox, stop messing about and I put the phone down. Ring, ring, ring. Same happened again. I'm not listening, just put the phone down. Third time, Mr. Phelan. Now, if you put the phone down again, you are not going to play 
for the Republic of Ireland. We've got a game on Wednesday. We've got injuries. We need you on that plane. This is Morris Setters, Jack Charlton's assistant manager. Please be on that plane. Is it really Morris Setters? Is it really? Put the phone down again and you won't be playing for Ireland. So I could have missed the boat, couldn't I? You know, just for uh, thinking it was a couple of pranks. But it was probably one of my proudest days playing for, for my country. I always wanted to play for my country, Ireland. Small country, as everybody knows, four million people. A lot of the players was playing in England anyway, in the old first division then, which was the EPL back then, for say, before it changed. And as a young boy, my first World Cup I watched was 1978 Argentina. And I said to myself, I would love to play in a World Cup. Am I ever going to play in a World Cup? But you have to have dreams. And obviously, when we drawn with Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland, we knew we was on the plane uh, to the USA 1994 World Cup. But I still had to work hard for my club, you know, because they was paying me wages. So my first thought was if I keep working hard for my club, I'll have a starting, uh, starting place in the, the World Cup. And yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, journey. And played in FA Cup finals, which we all want to do, the oldest competition in the world. So, yeah, it was a fantastic journey and, and it's great memories. And I've met some wonderful people all over the world. I think thanks for sharing that story. I think that just probably lit up everyone who who's listening to this. Now, coming back to the final concluding question is, we are SUFC. We've, SUFC is making all the right noises uh, in Bangalore, across India. How and what do we expect from the club in the coming years? Uh, you know, if you talking about it from the sporting director's point of view, what can we expect? Well, we've achieved an awful lot in, in you know, the five years we've been in Bangalore. We're building this wonderful infrastructure here. But it's small baby steps for us. We're in no rush, you know. We're, we're in no rush to get into the uh, I-League divisions. That'll happen with the, the surplus of players we've got, the coaching staff we've got. Obviously, the owner knows where he wants to go, Mr. Sharon. The CEO knows where he wants to go, Mr. Pranov. They know that, you know, a lot of money can be spent on something which doesn't really uh, mature. We want it to mature slowly here. We want to build a what would I say, uh, a different mindset, a different a culture again. And it starts at the bottom. We, wanna, we want players, fans to love SUFC. And that's what we're trying to implement. We've done it one way. Now we've got to do it on the football field. And I think we can do it on the football field. But it's small steps. Yeah, what's our vision? we want to get in the ISL. Yeah, what's our vision? We want players from SU, SUFC playing in the national team. Yeah, what's our vision? We want players to be sold abroad. There are verticals, there are long-term verticals. It doesn't happen overnight. And we know it doesn't happen overnight. There's always change in football. You know, there's always one person going out and one person coming in. But the club will never, they'll never change the way they want to go. They'll always keep improving but it's small little steps. And I keep saying to everybody, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's the same old cliche. It's the same here. You know, it took time, it took effort, it took sweat, blood, tears to get where we are now. And we're going to just keep rising slowly, 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 because uh, we've got the infrastructure to do that. But it then boils down to our wonderful uh, group of professional players 
we've got playing in the uh, super division. I'm not putting pressure on them. They'll go out there. The coaching staff have been wonderful. We've got a great medical team and all. And we'll go from strength to strength. And hopefully I'm here long term to see that because I do want to see, you know, Indian football competing with the rest of the world. And, that, and that's why I'm here. And it's, it's, it's not a long way away. You know, it's just people having an open mind and believing, like I believe they could play in the World Cup, FA Cup finals. And don't forget, I was one of the dearest fullbacks in the world that got sold for two and a half million pounds. And that wasn't a bad from a boy coming from the streets and playing on the streets. So anything's possible, but it takes small steps to be able to implement it and hopefully achieve it. Well, Coach Terry Feelin, this was a wonderful one and I wish you nothing but the best and hopefully we see those small steps grow into uh, the bigger, you know, bigger buildings uh, and bigger infrastructure and bigger towers of success for SUFC. Thank you so much for spending this afternoon and uh, it was a lovely chat. Hope you enjoyed and thank you once again. Thank you very much, folks out there. You know, it's always nice to share you know, what we're doing within our club at SUFC. So thank you very much. To all the lovely listeners, hope you enjoyed this conversation. That was Coach Terry Freeland from SUFC. This is me signing off from the Totally Indian Football Show. You know where our podcast is available. It's available on all the leading audio platforms. So do follow and subscribe and stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. Thank you very much.